I'm an ex-learning bites and I'm your host, Ace Kagler. Whether you're out for a stroll, making your morning coffee or working away at your desk, we're always one click away. Tune in every week to hear from our exciting lineup of guests. Laura Staples, welcome to Laminex Learning Bites again. Thanks, Ace. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> so good to have you. Um, and love seeing you keep coming back to talk um, about more interesting uh, topics. It gets more interesting um, uh, each time. Hopefully the listeners agree with me. But um, we've all already uh, featured you as a ho- uh, as a guest before in our show. But this time, can we get to know a little bit more about you and what you do at Lamnex formally? Perhaps I'll get you to explain what you do at Lamnex. Obviously, you're my manager. <laughs> uh, of course. So at Lamnex, my role is the head of people and performance. And I guess ultimately, you know, I'm all about making sure that people enjoy the work that they do and enjoy working in our organisation and uh, making sure that everyone has, uh, you know, a really clear understanding the role that they play in building our ultimate purpose, which is to ensure that all Australians experience life in beautiful spaces. So I think that it's a really interesting role. We get to play a lot in the learning space. We get to look into role design and structures. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, we spend so much time as part of our lives in the working environment and ultimately I just want to make sure that people are having fun so uh, that's my that's my role at Lemonix. Now I'm sure most people haven't heard that before coming from uh, a head and people and performance uh, of of any organization saying that you know I just want to make sure people are having fun. (laughs) Well I think that that's a really you know that's how you build engagement you know, when you can take some of the seriousness out of day-to-day and really enjoy the people that you work with, the organisation that you work um, with, I think that that's what builds great teams, which is um, ultimately what we're here to talk to about today. Absolutely. Before that, though, I do want to say not only you are um, a leader for me, but you're an inspiration, a role model, um, you are my biggest supporter and I owe everything um, to the support that I've received from you. I think, um, you know, the way how I feel confident in putting this podcast together, I think it's just um, it's just a reflection of how supportive you are, how the, the support that I receive from you. And I'm a huge fan. <laughs> I haven't been able to say this before. I just have to. And your creative thinking, um, the way you think about the future of work and um, the way you see work in general has really inspired me um, and how we can work differently, make an impact, um, make learning uh, a more better experience, a beautiful and fun experience. All these things that you believe in have um, have really embedded in my thinking as well. Um, I just had to get that out of my chest. Anyways, <laughs> oh, I think um, I was very lucky early on in my career for 
you know, to work with a really creative and inspirational manager that said that ultimately our role is to surprise and delight and it's to build a better experience for people in the workplace. And that's it's um that's what we get to do for employees. But I'm really glad that you're personally enjoying that style of working as well. Absolutely. That's another motto of Laura Staples. That's right. Surprise and delight. <laughs> I have a couple. I'll I'll save them <laughs> as we go. Um, so uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about your career history, if you don't mind sharing. Um, how has your career journey been like? Uh, look, I've I've been in HR now for fifteen years, and I initially took the really corporate pathway and and worked my way up. Um, into leadership roles. But a couple of years ago, I decided that I wanted to explore something a little bit more creative and I wanted the opportunity to work with some of the incredible thought leaders in the industry and those who specialise in the future of work. Um, So I was really fortunate to work with uh, Dr Jason Fox and Michael Dixon, who um, is actually the host of our Laminex Live platform. And, you know, working with Michael and Jason, I got to get firsthand experience in what it's like to research and be incredibly passionate and obsessed about culture um, and pioneering leaders. And I think that's what's been able to shape my journey coming back into a corporate organisation and saying, well, how can we do things a little bit differently? And how can we take the you know, what I used to refer to as my future of work toolkit um, and how can we bring that into an organisation like Laminex, which has 85 years of legacy, which um, our role is to bring that into the future. And um, it's been a really interesting career, one where I've had a lot of opportunity to be creative and that's certainly um, why I love doing what I do. That's so great. Um, now, we haven't Uh, told the listeners what we're talking about today, but we are here to talk about what makes a great team. And to open it up, um, I guess if you ask, define great team. A great team is a high-performing team, whether it's in sports, in business, um, and in any other field you can think of. High-performing teams, uh, you know, performing well because everyone works well together, they work towards a common goal with unity, mutual respect, uh, cooperation and collaboration. And um, this is what we strive for, I guess, in our workplace. Do you have anything to add to that, Laura? I think when I think about a high-performing team, there's two things that really come to mind. One is that the best teams have a united purpose and they they all know what their role is to play in achieving that purpose. And the other one is that some of the most inspirational teams that I've ever seen, be it in sports, uh, in business, uh, in our personal lives, is where they've got each other's back. Um, and I know that we're going to talk a little bit more Um, some of the findings that Google had in their research, but I really do believe that that sense of trust and empathy and team spirit comes down to having each other's back and and being that person that your teammate can lean on uh, in times that they need to do so. 
And when, you, when you're thinking about a high-performing team, what are some of the characteristics they have as a team? Would you say they're a small team? Um, I think they're small because they're flexible and agile. And um, what else might they might might um, be there? Some of the characteristics. I think they're diverse. Well, I think diversity plays a role, and it's it's diversity of thought. So it's people with different backgrounds and experience that can share their perspective. I think that's a that's a really strong characteristics of characteristic of a great team. I think um, it's having an empathy of of what everyone does in that team, and you know that's partly the role of the leader is to be able to communicate and uh, be transparent in everyone's role within the team. I think um, when I think about some of the amazing teams that I've been a part of, it's it's also this sense of really showing up. Um, I think that we put a lot of it, we put a lot of pressure on leaders to create these great team cultures, but a lot of that comes down to, as a team member, how are you going to participate? How are you going to show up in that team? And what are you going to do in order to make that team great as well? So I think it's really a, a balance between um, the the way in which the team member shows up, but also the environment that the team leader creates. For sure. Now, we said a lot of things here. I think we're going to start to unpack them uh, really soon. But when I think about high-performing teams, um, you know, why I said, you know, we all uh, strive to be in a high-performing team and that's that's what we uh, aim to do in a workplace is, you know, no one wants to work in a team where um, they're constantly having to uh, do the work of for other people um, because others are being lazy or, um, you know, uh, there isn't that harmony, that synchronisation, and you won't be you won't be happy that way. And um, what you mentioned before is, you know, we strive to um, make sure that people are happy with the work they do. Um, I think that's that's also the key. I mean. Why would you strive for a high-performing team? Because, you know, you want to work well with others and you want to uh, achieve great outcomes. Mm. And then I, I think, think that um, – oh, you go. I was going to say that, you know, there's a lot of organisations that have done some pretty incredible research into this. Google is is one that most HR people know about, but also Atlassian in their team playbook. And yes. I think there's there's been a lot of work in working out – what what are these, you know, how can we drink the great team Kool-Aid and, and how can we be a part of a great team? And it really starts with everyone showing up and committing, making that commitment to supporting each other and talking about, you know, and we see this as part of the, the team health check that Atlassian have, it's do we have this shared understanding of why we're here? And that's a great check in with a team to make sure that everyone's on the same page and it can be something as simple as asking the question at the start of your team meeting but it's making sure that again coming back to that kind of shared purpose or that united purpose piece it's do I understand the why 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 do we exist yeah yeah I agree 
So then that leads me to my next question. Do you think it's culture that creates great teams or is it the individuals themselves? I think this is an interesting one and I'm, I'm sure there's schools of thoughts on both sides. But for me, you know, I really do think that it it's both. I think that leaders shape an environment or a culture that enables a team to thrive. But I think the individuals have a really key role as part of that. And I think very quickly and, and you know, this is where if we, we go into, um, you know, the hiring process, we talk about values alignment as one of those key selectors of, of how we how we select people to join our organisation. And you've really got to make sure that the individuals that are a part of the team share the same values. So, you know, and that's partly the role that HR get to play in the organisation is making sure that when we're out there scouting for talent, when we're out there trying to fill a role, we need to be asking ourselves, well, what are the dynamics of this team? What are the... um, key behaviours or values that this team in particular has within the organisation that we need to go out and find the best fit for that. And, um, you know, it's certainly an interesting question and that's where, you know, on on the other side of that, things can go terribly wrong when you bring potentially someone into a team that are going to disturb those team dynamics that may have been humming along quite well previously. So um, it's an important task and one that we really need to sometimes put a little bit more thought behind, you know, what are the attributes of this team that make them so great and and how can we go and find some talent that's going to thrive in that space as well. I think that uh, leads really nicely to one of my questions that I had in mind then is hiring well enough? Because you started talking about the uh, the beginning of the employee life cycle, uh, the recruitment process and how HR comes into place and, you know, recruiting is important. Uh, recruiting the right people um, for a great team is really important, but is that enough? Uh, look, no, I don't think hiring well is enough. I think that that's where, you know, you start getting into the next part of the process, which is the onboarding piece. And um, I think you can go out there and, and find someone that has the great, the values fit that we spoke about just before. I think you can find someone that's going to, um, you know, thrive in that team, but then you've really got to continue to support that individual and, Whilst the leader plays a role there as well, this is where, you know, having interesting onboarding experiences um, that that person gets to share. I mean, I think we've spoken about this in one of the other podcasts, but ultimately an individual is going to decide in the first 90 days as to whether they've made the right decision. Um, And that decision is going to be based on, the interaction and involvement that they've had with their manager, it's the interaction and involvement that they've had with their team, it's the connection that they've created to the organisational culture, um, which during COVID and when we had this, um, you know, state of lockdown where teams weren't able to connect as regularly face-to-face, 
or we were onboarding people that we'd never actually met in person before. That was a really unique challenge or opportunity that HR had to look and reflect on, well, what are the onboarding processes that we have in place and how can we do things differently so that we can create that symbolic connection to culture or that connection to the team that people need in order to feel engaged and motivated and, you know, believe that they've made the right decision coming to work for Laminex. Now, um, we've mentioned before the Google Aristotle project that uh, has been done to find the key ingredients that makes up a great team. And they did this massive research um, looking at 180 teams in their business. This, this research was done in 2012. So they gathered lots and lots of data. And what they were looking for is, was that, uh, was there a, perfect mix of specific personalities that would make a team that would contribute to making a team a high performing high performing uh, team and they actually discovered that no sort of uh, mixture of certain personalities um, was able to show that yes you know there was a perfect mix to make a great team and they come up. They came up with a couple of uh, key team dynamics um, that you know was an interpretation of their data. So they came up with five key dynamics that um, make great teams stand out from the rest. And a couple of these are well, these are uh, psychological safety, dependability, uh, structure and clarity, meaning of work impact of work. So they're the five key dynamics that Google came up with as a part of this project. Um, now we can unpack all of these. We kind of touched on uh, psychological safety. Um, but what does that mean for you, Laura? So psychological safety, um, that's obviously the culture that the work is set around, isn't it? Well, look, I think psychological safety is that um, preparedness that people have to take risk or be bold or um, be courageous in their role in a team where they believe that their team members have their back um, and they feel safe ultimately to take those risks with those team members. And, um, you know, I think it's a little bit around that confidence to feel that no one's actually going to, you know, punish or um, embarrass you if you ultimately fail on whatever that quest you were or the mistake that you may, perhaps may have made. Um, and that, you know, we're starting to see this a lot at Laminex where we spoke recently on this idea of courage being an important consideration for 2021. And it's, creating this environment where people know that they can step outside of the comfort zone and be supported by their peers and, um, you know, celebrating some of those failures or mistakes or the lessons, um, you know, and, and making sure that they find the lesson in that situation. So I think, you know, we were talking about this a little bit earlier and um, I did a bit of reading before we had our chat 
what I found really interesting now, the Google Aristotle project was done back in 2012, like you said, but one of the things that um, I read was the researchers discovered the variables that were not significantly connected to team effectiveness. So these were things that they said, you know, out of all of the discovery that we've done, out of all of the teams that we have interviewed, um, the things that we believe do not have any correlation as to whether a team is great or not. And the first one was the co-location of teammates. So sitting together in the same office, that was not something that ultimately makes a great team. And that's really relevant for the time that we find ourselves in now where we have just spent the last 12 months in a global pandemic and we have been working from home and our teams have not been working in the same space. Now, if Google have been able to discover this eight years ago or you know nine years ago when they completed this research that the location of teammates has nothing to do with how effective that team is, I think that's um, you know that that's that's so relevant to our work from anywhere program and um, even in some of the Laminex live discussions that we've had, I think it was our brand experience manager Rachel Oakley. She said that no matter you know she was actually feeling more connected despite being more apart than ever before. And that was that real sense of being part of a national team because she's had new technology that's been able to connect these people. She's had the ability to introduce video calls into her um, daily pattern. She's had the ability to connect with people that she would not likely connect with previously because of geographical bounds. So all of a sudden we're now in this brave new world of work, which turns out um, being you know, located in the same environment doesn't necessarily contribute to the factors of a great team. It's such a strong evidence to show that work from anywhere is now relevant more than ever. <laughs> I like that. It is. And then going back to that concept of psychological safety, one of the things that we've really experienced through COVID and is this view now into it's the blurring of professional and personal life and this vulnerability that team members are now showing and um, because not only are they trying to be the best they can be in their role but they're also managing a household some of our employees are taking care of children and homeschooling um, they've got cats walking past their screen from time to time. They've got dogs barking in the background. It's this real blurring of the lines of what was once a work-life balance, which still had a degree of separation, now into this merger of all of those things together. And, you know, I've certainly experienced, and, you know, you would have seen this in our team, just having this really unique view into someone's personal life because you can now see in the background of their video call it really does strengthen the bonds that you have amongst a team and being able to ask questions that, you know, relate to what you can see in the, in the box on your screen. Um, oh, you know, it's, it's this window view into someone else's life. Absolutely. Into their personal life, their family life. And we see that day in, day out during our uh, team catch-ups 
um, you know, Serene's daughter might walk in every now and then and say something to her mum and your son Jack sometimes walks in um, into our meetings. And, yeah, you do get to learn more about the person and you just feel, I feel like you do feel more human and more closer to that person, absolutely, whereas in the office you've got that boundary um, and you don't get that glimpse of the person's uh, personal life in, in the way you do um, working with them virtually. Yeah, I, I do see the positives of that, absolutely. And then if we move on to the next a key team dynamic that Google discovered. Dependability might sound like a really obvious one, um, but Google defines it as, you know, dependability encompasses a team's ability to rely on one another. another. Um, it relates to trust, you know, you trust one another um, and that on the fact that, you know, you will de deliver on the work and they will deliver on the work. Do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, it comes down to having each other's back, you know, and I think with this increasing blurring of work life, we we need to have each other's back more so. So, you know, and it's making sure, particularly as we start introducing this, um, this behaviour of experimentation, when someone does make a mistake, it's, you know, it's being their support and it's helping them, um, you know, reflect and pick up on the lesson that they have learned. So I think that dependability is so important, um, you know, in small teams and large teams. And I think the other thing that we can, um, you know, think about here is that there's often teams within teams. And, you know, we see that in HR, we've, we've got our talent and capability team, we've got our recruitment team, and we've got our business partnering team. And whilst they have their own individual dynamics because of the nature of their work and what they do for the organisation, they're still part of a greater team that ultimately share the same purpose. Um, and that's to create great experiences for everyone at Laminex. So, um I think, you know, that dependability doesn't necessarily just need to be in your immediate team. It can be other teams that you're a part of. Yeah, when you work collaboratively with others in other departments as well. I agree. And then that leads on to the next point, which is structure and clarity um, around the work you have, I guess. So maybe this is a responsibility of the leader more so to define the work for people and make sure they have that structure and clarity, don't you think? Uh, 100%. And this is probably something that, you know, one of the things I'm most passionate about is particularly when it comes to organisational strategy. And, you know, someone said to me the other day that the best strategies are the ones that are easy to understand and challenging to execute because if they were challenging to understand and easy to execute, you haven't, you're not on the right thing. And so how you make a strategy easy to understand is by spending the time and investing that time and energy into articulating everyone's role to play in delivering that strategic outcome. And this is what leaders should be spending their time with, particularly when they're onboarding someone or when there is a change within the business, it's being able to create the space to sit down and talk about your role and the impact that you can make. And 
you know, we've done that through a variety of mechanisms over the past couple of years. We've had the Leaders Forum where we're able to really deep dive and unpack into the functional strategies. Uh, we had the Strategy Festival in 2020 where it, that was really an opportunity to showcase all the initiatives happening across the business. But, you know, the the, the pure intent of that process was to articulate that strategy shows in different forms and um, through these initiatives we're able to each contribute to the greater strategic outcome of the organisation. Um, so I, I think that 100% that's a really important part of having a great team and it's making sure that you've got really clear goals and objectives um, that don't need to be micro-detailed but they need to be communicated and they need to be communicated well. Yes, that's so true. And I remember the feedback we received from everyone around the business after launching the Strategy Festival virtually. Everyone was saying, you know, we've got so much more visibility over the things that are happening in our, in our uh, strategy in the business. I think that just showed the impact of that and how it contributed to um, the connection people had to the business. And in a virtual world, if I was to think about this um, from an employee's perspective, I think I want to know um, and have more structure around the work that I'm doing. And I want to know what uh, the expectations of my manager is um, in a very clearly defined way because in the office I get more immediate feedback and I can constantly check in and say how am I doing is this this much uh, you know am I spending enough time on this work or um, is this how much you want me to spend uh, on this on this project how much time you want me to spend on this project so those immediate feedbacks are a sort of taken from you although we have great tools and um uh, digital tools that we work with uh, virtually, I think you you almost must have that in in a virtual team environment. So that was um that was my thinking around it. The next one is uh, meaning of work. Now this one's I know personally <laughs> uh, that you talk quite passionately about as well. Yeah, look, I, I think that. Understanding, so, you know, having that clarity that we spoke about earlier, then that your purpose has to relate. It, you have to, um, the work that you're performing has got to be personally important to each and every one of the team members and it's having that equality amongst the team that everyone has an important role. And I think that, you know, when you start seeing you know, perhaps a team performance or productivity starting to drop, there's a real opportunity for a leader to sit down and make sure that the role that that person is playing is professionally fulfilling them. And this is where you can start looking at, and particularly where HR can help, is having a look at role design. And um, Deloitte recently came out with a report around, you know, some of these future of work trends and it was saying that um, role design is actually going to get into the wellbeing space. So how can you design work for wellbeing? Um, and it's, you know, still creating that sense of purpose for someone in an organisation of being really passionate about what they do but making sure that we design it in a way which provides that 
mental well-being that the individual needs in order to feel supported and connected and get that sense of enjoyment. I agree. Now, if, if I was to uh, talk about how that relates to me is, you know, I want to know what my purpose is in in what I do. I mean, you know, we all want to know what our purpose is in life and then in everything you do um, and with work, like I, I want to have an impact and I want to know um, that what I'm doing is meaningful Otherwise, it's kind of, you know, it's just a job that pays for the bills. Um, personally, that's how I think of it. I guess everyone might not think of it in that sense. And um, every day, you know, I want to I want to have that sense of uh, accomplishment and, and, and see what impact it has made on others. Um, for me, it's um, helping others uh, do their job easier, uh, making learning fun for them and enjoyable and helping them uh, feel more engaged and being happy at work, which is, you know, our sole purpose as, H as the HR team. Mm. And that's for me. Um, the last one is impact of work, which um, maybe overlaps a little bit with the meaning of work. But Google has said that impact of work is teams who have a genuine belief in the value of the work they are investing in and that it matters again, influences the success of the teams. Yeah, look, I think that this is where meaningful progress comes in and we talk a lot about this within the HR team because, you know, some of the projects that we work on are really a slow change and, um, you know, particularly in the capability space when you're trying to, um, you know, build leadership capability, these things don't change overnight and so you don't get that instant feedback on the impact that you're having within organisation and that's why it's really important to kind of break that down into much smaller bites and sort of say, well, what's the impact that I've made today? And that could be as simple as connecting with someone that you may not have connected with for some time and that ultimately could have been, you know, a really amazing phone call or a conversation that you've had with that other person. So I think impact can be related to the the activities that you do at work, but it can also be the relationships that you make within the business and within the organisation. I totally agree, yeah. So it could be the relationships that you create with others and uh, have the, um, the human interactions, leave your mark. Um, but it could also mean, um, I'm thinking for me, I want to know, um, how my work has been measured and what the measures are. And I, I want to see sometimes in numbers what value I'm bringing or um, qualitative uh, and quantitative ways of the impact that I'm, I'm making. Um, so evidence of the work that I've produced and, you know, if it has been successful and how has it been successful, I guess. Um, so hopefully we've been able to unpack the five key dynamics that Google discovered for everyone listening. My next question for you, Laura, is um, because the Google uh, research actually discovered uh, one of these key points as well, um, what responsibilities do we have as the individual um, to make a great team. We can talk about, you know, the leader's role all day long and um, 
we might unpack that side of things a little bit more. But let's focus on the individual first. Um, do they have a responsibility or is it up to the to the leader to make the team great? Yeah, look, I think that there's a really important role that the individual plays. And as I said before, it's it's making sure that you show up to the team. Um, and that could be done, you know, the best way that I would do that is having a conversation or creating the space to have a conversation in the team and say, well, what do we need to do in order to make this a great place to work and a great place, a great team to be a part of, um, rather than uh, sitting back and putting that pressure and expectation on solely the leader for being responsible for that. I think that it's, you know, anyone can create and it doesn't necessarily need to be team building activities that you do this through. It's the, it's the cadence, it's the rhythm that you set in the working patterns within your team. So if you have a team catch up every Friday virtually, it could be starting off and having a discussion about what everyone's plans are for the weekend. Or if simply your team's catching up on a Monday, it could be asking how everyone's weekend was. It's it's making sure that you've got some of that, um, I guess, the personal conversation that happens before you get into the operational conversation that helps strengthen the bond of the team. But it's, you know, I think then going back onto the leader that, you know, I've, I've seen leaders put in a lot of effort in order to building the team dynamics and they feel like, it's they're having to drag everyone along and that they're, um, you know, not getting the, I guess, the the buy-in as much as what they would like to see with the effort that the leader is putting in. So, again, I think if you're an individual in a team where you can see the leader's trying really hard to build a great team dynamic, you know, pull them aside and say, what can I do to help? That's a really good point, actually. And I'd like to talk about the little piece that Google uh, pointed out in their research. So one of their key managers in the business after this Aristotle project took their team out to an off-site meeting and he talked about his cancer diagnosis with the team. And then although initially silent, his, his team started opening up about their personal lives and their stories as well. And, and that really showed, you know, um, making a great team is really about how the individuals interact with each other and, um, you know, making the day uh, as, as human as it gets. So that interaction and uh, the relationships you build with one another is, is key. Um, I mean, we see each other, you know, seven to eight hours a day, more than our families. And it only makes sense to put in the effort and make the commitment to giving in some of yourself, um, putting in that extra effort to make your relationships stronger. I mean, I would like to, you know, uh, leave my mark and hopefully when I leave one day, people will be, be able to say uh, she was here. Yeah, look, I think that, you know, what you're talking about there is vulnerability and, um, you know, we saw a lot of that through 2020 and, you know, I experienced that firsthand myself where um, it takes a lot to say that you need to ask for help and support and I was, um, 
you know, I've my team know that I'm a solo parent and the the juggle was real, so to speak, last year with homeschooling my six year old uh, for five months whilst trying to work full time. And, um, you know, had we not been a part of a great team ourselves, you know, it could have been a very different um uh, path or experience that I had in 2020, but without a doubt, um, you know, the PMP team, everyone stood up and supported each other. You know, we've got a number of working mums within the team that were juggling homeschooling at the same time. And, you know, I think to that story that you shared around the manager at Google, it's sometimes you've got to be brave enough to actually say, guys, I need the team's help here. And, um, you know, that's where you're going to um, really, you know, make a difference in the psychological safety of each and every person as part of that team. Now, I'd just like to make sure that we've covered everything about the leader's role in making a great team. We focus quite a lot on psychological safety and building the structure and clarity and purpose for the team. Is there anything else that you would like to add in terms of the leader? I think um, my one bit of advice and if a leader said to me, what can I do? It would be create some time to actually sit down with your team and say, what do we need to do to be a great team? And listen to the, the feedback that you get from the team members to potentially do things a little bit differently. Um, and that could be about creating more time in the diary to have team catch-ups online. It could be bringing a little bit more humour into your day-to-day -day activities. It might be connecting face-to-face, -face, you know, on a monthly basis and going for a walk. So I think the best thing a leader can do is actually set some time aside in their diary, which I know everyone's diaries are incredibly full and it's and it's saying to the team, right, what do we need to do in order to be a great team um, and how are we going to commit to this journey together? Yes, exactly. So there's only so much you can do as a leader. You can create a fit environment that's uh, suitable for a great team, but it's up to the individuals as well to keep that going. And then I've got a bit of a, a controversial question. <laughs> has COVID had an impact on team dynamics and has that been positive or negative? Oh, look, I think COVID's had a, you know, a hugely positive impact on the team at Laminex. I think that, yes, um, the first couple of months we really had to find our feet and um, we needed to make sure that we were providing enough support for our people whilst they were experiencing rapid change. But when you look back, and this is a credit to all of the people that we have working at Laminex, the, the way in which we have come out the other side of 2020 and the way in which we've commenced 2021 is um, certainly you know, another great example of how our people have come together and rallied um, as a great team. Uh-huh. Now, Laura, we are about to wrap up 
But before I let you go, a few more questions about you. What inspires you? Uh, I think, you know, various environments inspire me. Um, I, I like to be a part of the creative community and sometimes I find solutions to the problems or the challenges that I have at work by going for a walk outside and um, observing other people or other activities. Um, so I think I, I find a lot of inspiration from the area that I live in and the network that I'm a part of. I can relate to that. You know, we've been working from home for quite a bit now and I actually started going to the library every now and then. I feel like I am being inspired being in a different environment and just seeing other people around me. It's it's sparking my creativity just to just to see others interact with each other at the library. You're not really talking, but um, just being in a different space. <laughs> Oh, definitely. That would be my number one piece of advice is if you're feeling stuck um, on something that you're working on, get out, go for a walk, do something a little bit different and you'll find that moment of inspiration. That's great. One other question. What's your favourite podcast? This one, Ace. Definitely this one. <laughs> No, really. Um, look, I, I listen to a variety of podcasts, whether it's um, uh, HPR or, or Deloitte or, you know, various episodes that some of my thought leader friends um, jump on. So I don't know that I've got a single favourite podcast, but um, I think that it's a, it's a really good activity, particularly when you want to um, be distracted and you may have played the same uh, song over and over again jump on and listen to a podcast instead absolutely yes I agree with that 100% but you are being interviewed in a number of other podcasts do you know them off the top of your head so you can share with the listeners um uh recently I was uh interviewed on the now of work podcast by Kim Sealing Smith um, and that's going to be a really interesting discussion on some of the, the trends that we're seeing that were once the future of work play out in today's world of work. So um, I'll be definitely sharing that one on LinkedIn when it comes out. So interesting. Now of work. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today, Laura. It was a pleasure to have you. Fantastic. Thanks, Ace. Um, I look forward to doing it again. <laughs>